Amen. I do love a good get dad joke. Those are the best. Amen. All right, well, uh, good morning, City Church. Hope you are all doing well. I tried to condense my notes several times. I have a lot of notes, so we'll get you out of here by next week and um, just in time for next week's service. But seriously, um, I'm looking forward to just continuing on in 2 Corinthians. It's been a fun study so far. I did want to address something that Pastor Mike brought up last week. I love Pastor Mike, but I just want a point of clarity out here since he brought me up during his message. Um, I don't necessarily enjoy talking about politics. I will talk about politics with you if that's something that you're interested in. The Apostle Paul said that he would become all things to all men, so that by all means he might save some. Well, I'll follow that same path. So I have opinions. My wife will explain to you that I have opinions on everything. I do. As much as possible, I try to bring those back to the kingdom, back to the word. And that's where my political thoughts lie, is as best as I've been able to, to line up the word with whatever that situation is that's going on, or science, or education, or parenting, or money, or or, or, or. I have lots of opinions. So anyway, just wanted to say that in case you're one of those people that's like, ooh, I love talking about politics. No, if you come to talk to me about politics, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus and the kingdom. And sorry, Jess, I'm throwing your stuff all over the floor. All right, amen. Having gotten that out of the way, let's dive into uh, to this week's message, and let's pray. So Heavenly Father, we bless you. We thank you. We love you. We exalt you, Jesus. We pray for that lion that's in our lungs to come forth, Lord God. We pray, Jesus, that you would be here with us, and we know according to your word you are. And We pray, Lord, this morning that we would just draw closer to you. In that area of our lives where we're far from you, we pray that we would be in a growing relationship with you today. So we bless you, and we love you. And in, our name, in your name, we pray, amen. All right. So a couple things that I just wanted to kind of lay down foundationally as I was preparing for this word, I was thinking about the fact that when I read my Bible, I read it two different ways. Sometimes I read my Bible and I'm just reading it for refreshing. I'm just kind of reading it like I'd read any other book. I'm just kind of reading and enjoying it. It's like a, a dip in a pool on a hot summer day. You know, the world has been difficult, the week's been long and hard, and I just kind of dive into the Bible and, and just kind of let it wash over me. There are other times when I read my Bible and I'm studying, and I'm really letting it truly wash me. I'm letting the Word dig out the dirt that's in my heart. I'm letting the Word really be applied to me, and, and I'm trying to figure out really what those words mean because... When I'm reading it just for refreshing, I kind of just kind of gloss over them. I'm, I'm familiar with that word, and I don't really think about it. And so in preparing for a message, usually I'll spend more time in that study mode where I'm saying, oh, I know what that word means, but what does it really mean? Like, if you asked me to define that word, could I really define that word? Because i got to know what that word means if we're going to talk about that on Sunday morning. But I just want to encourage you in that. In your reading, spend some time... Just letting the word just be like a, a cool summer, a lake on a summer day or, a, or a, a pool or a pond on a summer day. And, and other times, really dig in there, all right? 
Having said that, I want to give you just a little bit of background because here in 2 Corinthians 8, there's a reason for why the Apostle Paul is writing about this particular um, situation to the church in Corinth. The church in Judea, the Judean saints, had been going through a famine, and they'd been going through a famine for a while at this point. And so the churches in Macedonia, the Apostle Paul had asked them to gather together an offering to bring together that he could bring back to the saints in Judea because of the famine that they were experiencing. And so it's important to understand that that's the backdrop of what he's talking about here in this chapter. And in so doing, he has told other people about the generosity of the church in Corinth, and he's told other people about the generosity of the churches in Macedonia. In chapter 8, verses 24, he says, Therefore show to them and before the churches the proof of your love and are boasting on your behalf. It's like, listen, I've been telling everybody all around this region just how, how giving you are, just how generous you are. So, you know, live up to that, man, because that's what I've been telling everybody about you. All right? And so he starts chapter 8, verse 1, and he says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. And that word grace jumps off the page to me. When I was praying for this year, the Lord dropped two words in my heart, grace and peace. And those became the words that I just started thinking about this year. I was praying about that in, in late December and early January. I was reading my scripture with those as a, a lens that every time I read a verse, I would think about grace and I'd think about peace. And, and at first, I didn't make the connection that that's how the Apostle Paul starts almost every one of his letters. Grace and peace to you, blah, 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 right? On and on. And that's how he starts off Corinthians as well. Second Corinthians, he says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And it could just be that that's just a, you know, general salutation, you know, way of saying hello at the beginning of a letter. But, but we know from 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is inspired by God and is useful for correction, reproof, training, and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, it's not just a, a salutation that we can throw off to the side. In fact, the grace and peace is this recurring theme that goes on and on and on throughout the Scripture, throughout 2 Corinthians. And so we have this beginning again. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace which God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. You may recall that chapter 6 Two weeks ago, also started off with grace. The Apostle Paul wrote, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Not to receive the grace of God in vain. And, and you, I don't know, I remember that week because Tony actually in his opening, in his MC work that day, had said, you know, to receive something, you got to be open. You got to be ready to receive. You've got to be emotionally and physically and mentally prepared. You have to have open hands because if your hands are already full and I throw you a football, you can't receive that thing because you're already closed off. You're already full. And so the Apostle Paul back in chapter 6 said, listen, don't receive in vain the grace that God has given to you. And here in chapter 8, he's now giving us an example of a people 
who received the grace of God and put it to work in their lives and changed their very lives. They changed their futures because they received the grace of God, not in vain, but with purpose and with hope and with joy. That's what he's getting at here in chapter 8. And so I have a question for us. Of course, am I open? Are you open? Hebrews 11.6 says, but without faith. It is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So are you open today to receive from God? Are you open today to receive that grace that God has for you in your life, in your situation? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There's no substitute for time in our Bibles. There's no substitute for time letting that word wash over us and to wash us. So let's be positioned to receive this morning. Let's be positioned in our hearts for that grace, believing that God is and that he rewards. And I don't know, again, if you remember, but chapter 4, we were talking about how there's a God of this age who blinds our eyes to the things of the Spirit, who blinds our eyes to the things of the kingdom. Let's not give him space this morning to blind our eyes to what God would do in City Church and in the Capital District. Let's pull down those strongholds. Let's cast down those arguments. Let's pull down every high and lofty thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Jesus. Amen? All right. So, we do not want to receive in vain that grace of God. If Michelle gave me a gift, beautifully wrapped, beautiful bow on it, nice little note and card on there, and I took that gift from my wife, Michelle, and I stuck it on a shelf unopened, I've received that gift in vain. It profits me nothing. It's sitting there. That gift of God is there. And so the Apostle Paul says that this grace is upon the church in Macedonia. That's ancient Greece, right? Just in your mind. So what is this thing we call grace? You know, I've heard grace defined as that unmerited favor of God, that, that favor that we can't earn. Okay, that's kind of helpful, I guess. Um, I've heard that we can be under grace rather than under the law of God. Okay, that's, that's kind of helpful. We can be saved by grace through faith. That's, that's kind of helpful. But what is this grace that the Apostle Paul is talking about here regarding this church in Macedonia? And 1 Peter 5.10 says this, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Hear that again. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory, may he perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's grace. God perfecting you. God establishing you. God settling you. God strengthening you to his glory, for his glory, for his namesake. And so here we go. Moreover, brethren, uh, so now we're in chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Now, wait a minute. He's talking about these churches in Macedonia who 
because of their joy, because of the grace put upon them by God, and because of their joy in that grace, they gave. And not only did they give very freely, these were churches that were impoverished. These were churches that were living in deep poverty. In Judges chapter 6, we learn about Gideon, and there he says that the children of Israel were impoverished because the Midianites would come in, and they would burn their crops, and they would kill their animals, and they would take their treasure back with them. And the children of Israel were living in caves and living amongst the rocks. They were impoverished. Poverty is more than simply lacking stuff. Poverty is deeper than simply lacking sustenance. Poverty is a situation in which you cannot get out of that situation on your own. It is a cycle that perpetuates itself again and again and again and again. You require something from somewhere else to get out of an impoverished situation. And so here we have these churches in Macedonia. They were living in deep poverty. And yet, because of the grace of God, they were able to give with all liberality. That's amazing. That is absolutely astounding. Theodore Dalrymple is a British psychologist. And he, he wrote a collection of essays that were gathered together into a book called Life at the Bottom. And in it, he talks about his 50-year career working with the, what he calls the underclass of England, the poor of England. He writes about poverty existing far beyond physical goods or physical needs unmet, but that rather it's a condition of the soul. And it presents itself in a number of different ways. He says it presents itself in hopelessness and fear. This idea that it could never get better. Life will never change. This is always the way it will be. Or fear that, that no matter what happens, that other shoe is always going to drop. There's no way that it's ever going to change. Something is always going to go wrong. He talks about it being a situation of isolation and inability to communicate, even with our own hearts, to truly understand what's going on inside of us. He talks about poverty expressing itself as a lack of skills and a lack of education within the community, that there's not even someone in your circle of influence you can go to to say, show me how to do that thing, that the poverty is so deep, the lack is so significant. He talks about poverty expressing itself in, in lack of motivation and in faithlessness, not showing up to work, not cleaning up the mess that's around us, that somebody else will take care of that, and if they don't, oh well, I'll just live in it. He talks about poverty expressing itself in broken relationships and abandonment and in a self-centered lifestyle. And, and so he would have these doctors from other countries who would come to spend time in his hospital, to train in his hospital. And they would come, and at first they'd be amazed at England that, that everyone had a place to live, that everyone had, had food, that everyone had free medical care. And they would think, you guys have done it. You've accomplished everything. This is amazing. And in a short while, they would see that the people that they were working with weren't grateful for anything that they were isolated and alone, that they didn't even have strong family relationships. They would eat alone in front of the television instead of having a conversation with one another. They, would, they wouldn't even wait for their spouse to come home to eat. They'd just eat on their own. That the kids were eating prepackaged, expensive foods, even though just down the street is a market where the people from their home countries were going and buying fresh produce and having a communal meal together. And they quickly realized that Although it seemed like England had so much more, 
in reality, their poverty was so much deeper than the people that they had left behind to come and train. Poverty is not simply a lack of stuff. It's not simply needs unmet. It is moral and social. It's deeper. And so here's these churches in Macedonia that he said, listen, they were in deep poverty, yet they gave with all liberality. And we go to verses 3 and 4. It says this, For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Did you catch that? They gave with their ability and beyond their ability. Something happened in these churches that were deeply impoverished where they were able to give beyond their ability. In verse 12, the Apostle Paul, same chapter, he says, For if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, nor according to what one does not have. See, I can be willing to give a million dollars, and I'd love to be able to write City Church a check for a million dollars today, but I don't have a million dollars to give. So if I'm going to give to City Church today, I'm going to give according to what I know I have, not according to what I don't have, right? I can give a part of what I have. I could even be like that widow with the two mites who gave everything that she had. Do you remember that? She gives everything that she has. Jesus stops everything. And he says, hey, did you see this? And we know in heaven, the, the heavenly father stopped everything in heaven and said, did you see this? And that's great. That's wonderful. That's amazing. We could give everything we have. But these people in Macedonia went beyond that. They gave what they didn't have. They gave beyond their ability to give. That says that something happened there. A miracle happened there in these churches. When I was a kid growing up and I did sports, I have to admit, I hated it when the coaches would say, give 110%. Because the little obnoxious snot Kevin would go, you can't give more than 100%. 100% is everything. It's impossible to give everything. And so I would tune them out because I was an obnoxious little snot. And I didn't understand at the time that if you give 100% and then you try to give more, you'll fail. But that failure is a good thing because that failure strengthens your muscles. And next time you can run farther, and you can run faster, and you can run longer because you gave 100% last time and then tried to do a little bit more. The little snot didn't know that back then. I've learned that. Well, what's true in the physical is also true in the spiritual. That as we stretch ourselves in the spiritual, we'll be able to go farther and farther and farther. See, Dalrymple said that, that self-respect is this precondition for self-improvement. I've got to respect myself before I can ever want to get better. And that's the miracle that happens with these churches in Macedonia. The grace that God bestowed upon them, that grace started to do a good work in them. That grace would strengthen and establish and perfect and settle them. That grace gave them an identity in God. That grace which informed them that they were not the sum total of their yesterdays. That grace which said that they could receive to themselves and that they could have a new identity in Jesus Christ. That grace by which they were saved and they became the very righteousness of God 
because of Jesus became sin for them. That grace allowed them to begin to hope. That grace allowed them to begin to dream. That grace meant that they were isolated no longer. That grace meant that they could be some part of something larger. And so by faith, they moved forward, giving, and looking for opportunities to give more and more and more until they had given beyond their ability. Grace, that grace from God. Verses 5 and 7 says this, And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And I want to call your attention to where he says, and not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Because when I read that, what I hear in my heart, in my spirit, is that these were people who began to tithe. They were people who first gave to God. They first gave of the growth in their lives to his ministry there in their church, local church. They first started giving there, and then they started looking and setting aside for the church in Judea, for the saints there. They first tithed, and then they started to bring their offerings. And in so doing, they started to bring an order to their lives. They started to bring a grace into their lives that allowed them to grow what they could give. And because they were looking for the opportunities to give, they found the opportunity to give in God. But then he starts talking about the church in Corinth. And he says, I'm sending you Titus because I want this grace that these Macedonian churches have had. I want this grace to be in you also because you abound in everything. You've got a lot of riches about you in Corinth. They're in deep poverty. You abound in graces. You abound in faith and in speech and in knowledge and in diligence and in love. But I want to see you abound in this grace of giving also. I don't want you to stop. And so as I look at this, this passage, and, and the rest of this chapter is going to talk a little bit about um, Jesus being the example for us, that though he was rich, yet he became poor, that we could become rich in him. And he's going to talk about the, 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 the Apostle Paul is sending Titus to the church in Corinth, and he's sending with him another man that they can gather up this offering and bring it back to Judea. But here, where he's opening up this chapter, and he's talking about these churches in Macedonia and in Corinth, I see really three people groups, and we're going we're gonna to start to wrap it up here. So, Marissa, if you want to come on back up. I see three people groups presented to us. And perhaps today you might find yourself seeing yourself in one of these people groups. And so the first of those would be the church in Corinth. Those who abound in the graces of God, but there's this one that's lacking. Verses 10 and 11, the Apostle Paul says this, And in this I give advice. 
it is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you must complete the doing of it. That as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. Saying, listen, I'm not going to command you to bring an offering for those churches in Judea. I'm not going to command you to go and do that thing. I'm not going to say that thus saith the Lord, bring that offering to them. But if it was in your heart to do that thing, then bring it. Because it'll be good for you. It'll be good for you personally to have made that commitment and taken that step forward to completion. And just as poverty isn't all about money, neither is giving all about money. I want to encourage you today that if you find yourself maybe in that first group where you're like, you know what, a lot of things in my life are going well. I've got a lot of areas of my life really handled pretty well. God's blessed me in a lot of areas of my life, but there's this one area There's this one thing that if I really had to be honest, because I do excel in communication, right? I do excel at speech. That's what it said about the Corinthian church. If I really can assess my own heart, my own life, and I'm going to be honest with you, there is this area I'm lacking. There is this area that I have that's, that's not there yet. This area that's not perfect. This area that's not full. This area that's not established. This area that's not settled. Well, then I want to encourage you today. Let God be the author and finisher of your faith. Let him complete that good work that he began in you. And if you haven't been exercising that area of your life, then start exercising that area of your life. If you haven't been exercising that area of your faith, then start exercising that area of your faith. Looking for, look through your word, your Bible, for verses pertaining to that. And start claiming them. Remember, way, way back, chapter 1, way, way back, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, all the promises are yes in him and amen in him. All the promises of God. It's what it said back when we started this, this study. So claim those for yourself. Don't forget they're there. Find them. And if you need help finding them, ask for help finding them. That we can see that grace in you, just as the Apostle Paul said, I'm sending you guys Timothy that I can see this grace of giving in you. We want to see that grace grow in you. Some of us maybe look and we say, you know what, I feel like I'm more one of those saints in Judea right now. That when I look at my life, I feel more like I'm in this season of famine. I know it's just a season. I know the rains will come eventually. I know the crops will come eventually. I know the food will be there eventually. But right now, I also know... I'm in a famine. I also know right now I'm in a season of my life which I'm struggling. I know that about myself. And I want to encourage you, be open. Be open to receiving today. Be open to receiving assistance from your brothers and sisters. That's gospel-centered community, church. If you find yourself in a season right now, a famine season right now, then let us know about it. Let the pastoral staff know about it. Let the church staff know about it. I can't promise you that we can meet every need, but we can't meet any need if we don't know about it. So if you're in a famine today, I encourage you, let us know. Try not to be embarrassed. It's hard. I understand that. But let me tell you this. Every one of us have been in a season of famine at one time. Every single one of us, at least one, me many times, seasons of famine, 
So don't let it embarrass you. If you're in a spot right now where you need help, tell us. Let's get you the help. The Apostle Paul says this. He says in verse 14, 2 Corinthians 8, he says, But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack, that their abundance may also supply your lack. Why? Because right now I'm doing fine, but at some point there's going to be a famine here, and I'm going to need your help to get through that season in my life. So if you're in a season of famine right now, let us know. The last people group that I see there are the other churches in Macedonia. Those people who were living in deep poverty. Those people who were living in a situation where they could not get out of where they were. They would say, this isn't just a season I'm in, but this is a cycle that I have not been able to break. I've been trying to break it with everything that I have, and I haven't been able to break it. I need something else to get me through this, to break this cycle. And if that's to you, that's you today, where you find yourself in a cycle of poverty, maybe it's money, but maybe it's something else. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's educational. Maybe it's whatever. If you find yourself in that cycle of deep poverty, then understand it's okay that you can't get out of it on your own. But understand that God has the grace to get you out of that situation, to strengthen you and establish you and settle you to get you to a place of fruitfulness in your life. And let us know, because we'll come alongside of you and we'll pray for you until, we'll believe in you until, we'll get you out of that cycle through the grace of God. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. That we would no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, but rather that we'd be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Romans 12, 2. We can be renewed. We can be transformed. We no longer need to conform to the pattern that we found our lives in because of the grace of God. So if you're in that cycle of poverty, let us know. Let us look to become those new creatures in Christ from chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. And remember this, that we'll overcome the world by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimonies. And if for no other testimony today, then I encourage you, take the testimony of the Macedonian churches. Take their testimony today. If there's no other testimony for you to grab onto, take their testimony and say, I'll overcome my situation because they overcame theirs. I can overcome mine. I can become a new creature in Christ. I want to encourage you guys to stand up. We're going to close out by going into uh, some more worship. But I just want to pray over us before we launch into that next song. I just want us to start reaching out in faith, wherever you are. If you find yourself to be in the famine today, then start crying out to God for that. If you find yourself to be one of those churches in Macedonia living in deep poverty, then cry out to God for that. If you find yourself today to be more like the church in Corinth, then you've got just an area, one area, that you need help in, then start to cry out to God for that. Come on, let's, let's pray. And let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we can obtain his mercy and find grace in our time of need. For my grace is sufficient to you, says the Lord. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And therefore I'll boast gladly of my infirmities. The Apostle Paul says, I consider the sufferings of this present day to be, to be unworthy to be compared to the promises that will be revealed in us, the sons of God. 
The sufferings of this day are unworthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in you, the sons and daughters of God. The sufferings of this day are unworthy to even be compared to be in the same sentence as the glory that will be revealed in each and every one of us to God's glory. So Heavenly Father, we bless you. Heavenly Father, we exalt you. And today, Lord God, we receive that grace from you. Today, Lord God, we receive the grace that you poured out for City Church, for our region, for the area around 445 Pearl Street. We receive that grace today, Lord God, to see lives transformed, to see us become new creatures in you, to see us become that which we never dreamed we could be because of the grace that you're poured out. And Lord God, today we promise we won't receive that, that grace in vain. We won't receive that gift in vain. But Lord God, we'll put it to work to expand your kingdom, to draw one another closer, to reconcile relationships with one another and reconcile our relationship with you. Lord God, we receive your grace today. And we bless you, Lord. We exalt you, Jesus. And we so look forward to seeing what you will do here in the capital region. We love you, Jesus. Amen.